Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B Playbook. Listeners, Kevin, you are listening to, of course, our podcast where we are sharing our demand gen strategy step-by-step. Kevin and I sat down before we created the B2B Playbook podcast and we said, how can we share our 5Bs framework uh, with everyone that we know and create and share the resource that we wish we had before we got into B2B marketing? And that's what this podcast is. Now, today we are talking about quite a topical theme, but one that I know is very important to a lot of people. And that's, is B2B marketing becoming more like B2C? And if so, what can we learn from this trend if it is happening? Kevin, where is this at in the context of sharing our 5Bs framework? Well, we're in the fifth B of the framework, be the best. Last um, In the last few seasons, we talked about be ready, be helpful, be seen and be better in the last season just preceding this one. I'm sure all our returning listeners will know those in detail. But a quick run through for any new listeners, be ready really means understanding your dream customers and deeply understanding them so that you can create the helpful content which will start to build a relationship of trust with them online and position you as an expert and be helpful. And then in be seen, you're amplifying that helpful content to the right people and therefore accelerate your growth a lot of times through paid channels. And last season, we talked about optimizing your B2B marketing workflow to maximize your impact of the marketing machine that you've built, and that was Be Better. Be the best. We're talking about all things that make you and your marketing stay evergreen and continue to be leaders in your industry. And in doing so, we hope that you see that the 5Bs framework is a circular framework 
that you can continue to go back through to continue to deliver improvements. As George said, this week we're talking about whether B2B is becoming more like B2C. And it's one of those topical themes that we're starting to explore. We've often said right through the podcast that the 5Bs framework is something that is evergreen and doesn't really change. And that is still the case. That is still something we want to stick to. But we found a lot of value in talking about some of these topical things and in applying the framework to the themes to help illustrate how you can apply the same framework to different things that change within the industry so that you can continue to understand what's happening and continue to iterate on the 5Bs framework for yourself. Coming back to the topical theme at hand, we want to offer you our view on whether B2B is becoming more like B2C, particularly in the marketing space. And that will include a discussion of the true importance of things like trust and branding for a business. We'll also talk about how it sits in with the 5Bs framework and how we analyze it through the 5Bs framework lens. And in particular, this fifth B, the B the best, and why we're talking about it now. So first, let's talk about is B2B marketing actually becoming more like B2C? Yeah, look, uh, there's certain concepts kept from B2C marketing that have long been touted as important. And they're things like providing a personalized customer experience that makes every customer feel their individuality and that their individual needs have been met. Other really important ones are, look, you've got to be entertaining with your ads. B2C advertising standards and awards often center around concepts of creativity and how customers are made to feel when viewing them. And that certainly is not the case in the B2B world at all, Kevin. Um, Also, look, inherently, the B2C marketers understand that to get people's attention, you've got to rely on effective short hooks to try and leave an impression with a lot of people in a very short amount of time that you have with them. And Kev, That is purely, I think, a consequence of B2C effectively being highly commoditized. If you're selling a pair of shoes or a pair of pants, my goodness, the amount of competition you have out there is insane. Pretty much every single product that you have has an enormous amount of competition. And the ability to dropship things, have inventory made somewhere else like in China, and with a few clicks be offering that product on your own website again as well without you holding any stock or inventory has only taken that to the next level. So what do we do, Kev? When everyone has exactly the same product and we're offering for the same price, we've got to try and get their attention, right? We've got to find some kind of differentiator. And I think that is why we do see such a difference in the quality of B2C advertising versus B2B. And I think there's no real question here, listeners, that all these things that were touted to be important are actually important, particularly in the B2C space. You can see, as George said, because it's become so commoditized in that space, You can see why all these principles and things that you need to do are very important and why it stands true. And as people's attention span generally gets shortened by the increasing digital short form content and less in-person or longer interactions that you would traditionally have, B2B relationships and brand interactions will also shorten in a very similar way. Whether that's between individuals and businesses that are trying to build a relationship together or in a less professional setting where they're just interacting and discovering and networking. All those interactions become shorter as people need more information quicker. And as we start to explode in terms of the amount of information available, 
the time that everyone has doesn't increase at the same rate. So everyone now needs to consume more information in a shorter amount of time. That tends to push、uh, people towards having shorter attention spans or even just time available to have that time of day with you in an interaction with another B two B professional. So naturally, we believe that this does in fact lead to a need for B two B marketing to be a bit more like B two C marketing. Yes, you do need to adopt some of those learnings from B two C and employ those personalized and entertaining interactions. To start to build your brand as well in that B two B setting, because you now have to do more with less time together in the B two B context as well. It's also a lot more difficult to stand out generally, just with all that digital noise in the B two B marketing space now. Just have a look at LinkedIn. Have a look at how much that's grown, and how much people are trying to communicate and get attention and drive ads on there. Anecdotally, and in our own personal experience, we know that the reach there has steadily been declining, as with a lot of marketing platforms over time as they mature. But it just goes to show that that B two B space is also getting more crowded, is getting busier, and therefore you really need to do more to stand out from all that noise. Another example is just to think about how many cold outreach emails do you alone receive in your work email. I'm sure all of us get those. Different emails from different businesses that are trying to reach us in a professional capacity. So it's all the more important that your marketing efforts aren't just providing another email that people will delete from their mailbox immediately, but more of a personalized experience that really entertains and provides value for your dream customers to stand out. Kev, to me, it comes back to ultimately B two B products and services are becoming more commoditized in the same way that it happened to B two C, and that is purely because in the same way that I guess globalization enabled B two C to become commoditized because we all had access to you know largely cheaper materials, cheaper labor, we could get up and running and sell things for a much lower startup cost than we could before. That is definitely the case now in B two B. That's happening more and more. Thinking about all the no code applications that you can build now. Think about the role that AI is trying to play now in helping people put together all these services. And so, the lower the barrier to entry, the more competition there is. And the more competition there is means there's more people competing for the same set of eyeballs who could use the same thing, which means that it gets harder and harder for you to stand out. Now, Kevin, my honest opinion at this current state in you know the end of August in 2023, I would say to be honest, Kev, the bar is still pretty damn low. There are still so many B2B organizations out there that are really just creating all their content, doing everything that they can to be totally self-serving, hiding their products behind email gates, hiding information behind email gates. Making people go to in-person trade shows and conferences just to learn more about the product, like that's insane. And so, how can you start to, I guess, get one step ahead of those people? Kev is just be helpful, right? Be helpful first, entertaining second. You and I were able to get a little niche following not because we were entertaining, but it's because we're just being helpful. Even to this day, Kev, I don't know how entertaining we are. I don't know if people like our personalities. But we are delivering on helpful content, and right now, that more than meets the bar for getting people's attention in the B two B world. People need it more than ever. I think with COVID, that's really just accelerated that whole flywheel of needing to be more entertaining, to be a bit more like B two C, because again, that's reduced our 
in-person contact even further. It's reduced those interactions even further. It's really pushed along that digital transformation and short-form content within the B2B marketing space as well. And so we just need to be even more focused in on building a brand that's centered around helpful content, offering value and being entertaining um, to really stand out from the crowd. So there's certainly a lot of concrete reasons and that's just a few that we've gone through, but certainly a lot of concrete reasons why we think B2B certainly is becoming more like B2C marketing. So we can put that question to bed. But at the same time, we also think B2B marketing is just another iteration of marketing as a whole. So the foundational principles of marketing are still true and that applies to both B2B and B2C alike and has actually never changed. And if we do B2B marketing right, there's really no difference between B2B or B2C. It's not about one becoming more like the other. I think it's actually both growing closer together as the landscape changes and you get pressure for continual iteration and improvement in both fields actually coming back together and really converging back on those foundational principles of marketing that we talk about so much on this podcast. The only difference really is in terms of execution tactics that have been employed up to date in both spaces. All right, folks, quick breather here. In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, It's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. Yeah, definitely, Kevin. I think one that's really clear is, and probably one big difference that people will say is, look, in B2B, there's a buying committee, right? When you're buying a product, it's not just for you in the same way that you buy a a pair of shoes. You still have to justify that product to the wider committee. So logic becomes really important. Of course, like emotion is important in getting that person's attention first, but then logic becomes really important. And is logic as important in B2C? Look, if a product is commoditized, then everyone can provide the same logic, right? Everyone kind of gets the same benefit from the same pair of shoes. So emotional, the emotional side of things, I would say, is what really dominates there. Now, because in the B2B world, yeah, it's getting more commoditized, it's getting more competitive, but you can still stand out by logic and allowing people to rationalize this is a really good purchase. And you're always going to have to do that, but you can lean more heavily on that than the emotional side at this stage, Kevin. But as competition increases, as every little niche starts to have a competitor thrown in it, your logic is nowhere near as strong a selling point as you think it is. You're still going to have to combine that with the appeal to the emotional side, which is where creativity comes in. Such an important reminder of how important that creativity is and is a foundational principle within marketing. But let's dive a little further and maybe take a bit of a sidetrack into why 
B2B and B2C are in fact converging. There's a few clear trends in the space that caused them to diverge first and now they're converging together. So let's have a look at those really quickly as well, just to fill out our understanding and context around this topic. So probably in the last couple of decades with the digital media developments around third-party cookies and tracking and things like that, those have really lended themselves to drive much quicker results for the B2C space. You know, you can now track exactly what channel a particular purchase came through on the online space and therefore you can change your tactics really quickly in that space. No longer do you have to wait for a news paper to go out with coupons and see how many people use those coupons in the store and collect that data from the stores and you know it's all very manual now it's all digital tracking you can get your results within a day even hours at a time and you can quickly change your investment and your tactics in that way so obviously for b2c that's great because the transactions are very commoditized there's a lot of quick transactions happening give you that data and that started to diverge b2c away from b2b because in that B2B space, you still need to talk to that buying committee, as George said. There's multiple people you need to talk to, so immediately not as easy to track. Then there's different conversations happening offline and dark social that we've talked about before in those coffee break conversations that people have within businesses. And so more and more those two fields diverged as a result of digitization of marketing within the last couple of decades. But now with these new privacy regulations coming in, that have effectively really, really reduced those digital media tactics and changed the media landscape in terms of tracking and the ability to get that quick feedback data and to be really uh, adaptive to the data that's coming in because you're reducing the quality and quantity of that data. There's now a shift back towards those fundamental marketing principles that were always alive and well in the B2B marketing space, but maybe not as strong as it used to be because people become have become a little bit more boring in the B2B marketing, a bit too safe, as we'd like to say, and in marketing in general. And in fact, because of this shift in the digital media landscape, B2C actually becomes a lot less transactional. At least in our view, we think over time it will become less transactional with more privacy policies and regulations in place it will come back to being about building brand loyalty, about building trust to really deliver through on the customer's experience expectations. That will build a brand again, and that will really cause some of those B2C brands to really stand out when there's so much competition. And that's inherently the space that B2B occupies in its philosophy, just by necessity, because that same digitization of the media landscape didn't give the same benefits to the B2B space. So they still had to play in that brand building space. And so it would seem that B2C is also actually becoming more like B2B in nature um, as B2B is becoming more B2C in nature. But that just, I think, goes to illustrate that both are actually just coming back onto those fundamentals or fundamental principles of marketing where building a brand is important, offering value is important delivering on customer expectations to build that brand loyalty is the important things that we're all trying to drive towards in our b2b marketing and that's why the two seem like they're converging but it's more like they're reconverging and returning to those fundamental principles and kind of both out of necessity in their respective spaces um, whether that's because of the digital media landscape changing the privacy changes or even just simply the customer behavior changes because in B2B spaces, 
customers that are in those B2B interactions also expect a personalized interaction, also expect for a message to really hit home in a much shorter time period and to get that value up front. So those two not reconverging or converging, really just coming back and returning back to the fundamentals of marketing. Oh, I love that, Kevin. Look, brand is going to be more powerful than anything moving forward. And people who say B2B and B2C are really different might say, oh, you know, B2B, we have the whole buying committee, right? You've got the decision maker and the influencer and the champion and the blocker. And in B2C, it's just one person that you've got to convince. But at the end of the day, look, what you've got to do with the buying committee is you've got to get your brand in front of them. They've got to know and trust your brand. So that's getting the brand in front of those people that you need their approval from. Now, is that really any different than in B2C where you you buy something because you identify with a certain tribe and you say people who act like me that are in this group wear these particular kinds of shoes? Is that really any different? It's just like that's a buying committee too, effectively, Kev, isn't it? And what does it come back down to? It comes back to your brand and getting your brand in front of the right people and building a story and a brand story that really resonates with them. I think a great point to illustrate the power of the brand is whether a business is B2B or B2C, big or small, if a big company like Coca-Cola comes along and says, hey, we want to work with you on a campaign, you're probably going to explore that and and give them the time of day to hear out their proposal just because their brand is so big. The business is so big that the upsides there, uh, you understand, will inherently be there. And sure, we're not all going to be a Coca-Cola in size. We're not all going to be behemoths in our respective industries. But if you build a brand that's just as strong, if you build a brand that's even a tenth as strong as Coca-Cola's, then the chances of you actually getting the time of day to talk to your dream customers to get that conversation in is much higher. And so that's really the value of the brand, whether you're working in a B2B or B2C capacity. That's it. It's people to people, isn't it, Kev? It's P2P. And that's why we spend so long in the early stages of our framework, nailing those foundations, building those evergreen concepts like the brand story, understanding your dream customers, building trust, building brand equity, These are all cornerstones of marketing. They're crucial for any successful and sustainable marketing practices. For some reason, Kev, much of that has been lost over the years. I like to point a finger at the big ad platforms that made you believe, as they made us believe, Kevin, that, hey, (laughs) you can put a dollar in and get a dollar 50 out and you can just scale that to infinity. My goodness, is that not the case? Oh, no, definitely not, George. Um, And I think, you know, the good news here, listeners, and for everyone involved in marketing generally, is that if we return to the fundamentals of marketing, we should be able to continue to lead our marketing effectiveness. We should be able to continue to be leaders in our industry and continue to apply those same principles across the board no matter how the landscape changes. But... I guess the next logical question then is what are those fundamental marketing principles? Well, actually, it's everything that we actually talk about in the 5Bs framework. We base the framework on those fundamental marketing principles. Sure, we've attacked it and focused it more on the B2B side, but I think our framework can equally be applied to both B2B and B2C. Another reminder, as George said, that it's people-to-people marketing. As Timbo told us in his interview with us, It's people-to-people marketing. You're still talking to the same people on the other side. Um, You're still talking to people on the other side, whether you're doing B2B or B2C. 
So it's really important to focus in on those early stages of the framework, as George said. A lot of evergreen concepts there around how to build a brand, the brand story, how to talk to your dream customers, and to start to build trust and brand equity. And that's why we're talking about this topical theme now. As you come across these more macro shifts in the marketing landscape, you might question whether you need to change your marketing approach. Is the B2B incubator or is the 5Bs framework that's based on, is that still applicable? And I think these are questions that you should ask yourself. You know, we shouldn't be the ones answering that for you because that's the question that fundamentally you need to be satisfied with yourself on. Is it something that you have backing and personal belief in? Because that's the only real way you can execute some of these frameworks. Ask yourself, is the 5Bs framework um, applicable? Does it hold up in the future with these shifting trends that you're seeing in the marketplace? In this particular case, we certainly see that this is the case because the 5Bs framework is based on the fundamental marketing principle. We go through all those key concepts around brand building and how to amplify that helpful content throughout the framework uh, and all those things are evergreen, no matter what the tactics and uh, the macro shifts are, that same framework is still evergreen and still holds up in our eyes. But if you don't think so, you need to add and augment that framework for yourself over time. That has always been our intention for the framework and how we're using it. We add details to it. The general structure of it we found hasn't had to change, um, but we're constantly adding details and executing the framework ourselves. And we talk about examples of that every time we're on the podcast we give ourselves in building the incubator as an example a lot of the time we certainly think it holds up but it certainly is a framework at the end of the day that needs augmentation in the detail and if you're applying this and you're doing this for yourself in that way you'll continue to question frameworks in themselves for yourself as well you can check them over time you can start to build a process to guide you through all these new developments and topical themes and as you become more comfortable with that then you truly become a thought leader you continue to be the head of your industry and your marketing and that's why we're talking about it here in the be the best stage of the framework we hope to impart how we utilize the framework how we think about the framework in the context of these macro shifts in the marketing industry so that you can learn from that and hopefully be able to do one better and apply it for yourself and to grow it beyond the framework as we've articulated it here on the podcast and in the incubator. That's it, Kevin. Look, listeners, the simple version of all of this is, sure, there's the ideal state of your marketing, which is you're following our 5Bs framework to a T. But if you have those fundamentals down as to how creative you need to get, as to how much you need to speak to that dream customer, as to how helpful you need to be, you don't need to go from zero to 100 straight away. Just look at what the competition are doing and just do one step better. People ask me, should I have a complete demand generation approach where I ungate all of my content? And my answer to that is, look, if you have gated content and that works for your business right now, and your competition are doing that too, by all means, go and do that. If that works for your business, if it's an efficient sales process, if it's an efficient customer acquisition process, keep doing it. That's fine. But if one of your competitors starts making that information readily available and it's no longer behind an email gate and they start pushing it to your dream customers with LinkedIn ads to make sure they're getting this helpful information, who do you think they're going to trust more? Who do you think they're going to develop a faster relationship with. It's the ones that help them the most 
earliest. So don't be intimidated by this. Just look at what the competition is doing and do what you can to try and stay one step ahead of it. You don't need to be 20 ahead. Just start to think about the framework in a more conceptualized way and to apply it in little chunks, one step at a time, to look at where you sit in the industry and try and improve that 1% every day. All right, listeners, key takeaways from this episode. B2B is definitely becoming more like B2C marketing, but the vice versa also appears to be true. And that's because the macro changes in the marketing landscape and custom behavior is leading to a reconvergence in both streams towards those fundamental marketing principles, which if you follow them, will really allow you as marketers in either stream to adapt to those macro changes. So come back to your fundamental marketing principles. And thankfully, we've built the five piece framework based on the same principles. And therefore, it will also continue to be evergreen. But it's important that in applying the framework to really question that for yourself. And in doing that mental testing of the frameworks that you're coming across, that you're learning, that you're utilizing, you'll truly become and remain a marketing thought leader and expert in your field. Beautiful. Thank you, Kevin. Listeners, if you're new around here, we have been sharing our five best frameworks step-by-step, episode-by-episode, from episode one to episode whatever, 100 and whatever it is we're at now. We do have a summary episode as well, something in the 90s, I think, Kevin. We can link it in the show notes. As always, Kevin and I are so grateful that every week more and more marketers are tuning into the B2B Playbook podcast every Monday morning. And if we could ask one thing, it would be to please pass the show on to someone who you think would get value from it. Also, check us out on YouTube. Comment, subscribe, do all those things. It's a huge help to us and we really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, listeners. Take care and catch you next week. Thank you, George. Thank you, listeners. Catch you all next week. A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. 